0: Uh, We shall now turn to words you will find in the Book of Psalms. Psalm 106. The Book of Psalms. Psalm 106. i read from the beginning of the psalm. <laughs> Praise ye the Lord. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation that I may see the good of thy chosen that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation that I may glory with thine inheritance and so on especially at the fourth verse Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. O visit me with Thy salvation. And so on. Of using this form of address so, as he approaches his God. Again and again he says remember me. He also says Remember not against me former sins. That is to say, he lays much emphasis on what he calls the Lord's remembrance. He is intensely interested in what the Lord remembers concerning him. Needless to say, he does not mean that the Lord forgets anything. That there is um, any frailty in the memory of the Lord. For strictly speaking, there is not with him what we call memory. Our memory takes to do with what is past. With the Lord there is no past. As there is no future. He is in the eternal present. we are not to think of this word remember as we would think of it in relation to a fellow creature. Yet there is something in it which is calculated to bring to our notice that there are certain things in the Lord's presence in which we ought to be intensely Yea, supremely interested. What are his thoughts concerning us? (coughs) Granted that there is a God. Granted that he is supreme over his whole creation. it becomes a matter of the utmost importance what this God thinks or resolves or purposes concerning each one of us and not to be interested in this is tantamount to Atheism, at least in its practical, if not in its speculative form. What does God think of me? What is his purpose regarding me? These are questions of far reaching importance. Well, it is with this that the psalmist is engaged when he uses the term, remember me. He addresses himself to the supreme being with this petition that the Lord, out of the riches of his grace, out of the fullness, of his loving kindness would remember him. He is not afraid as it were of being forgotten in the crowd. He is not afraid of as it were passing unnoticed. For he knows that the eyes of the Lord behold all the inhabitants of the earth that he searcheth their heart and trieth trieth their ways. But it is with a special recognition he is here concerned that the Lord would take cognizance of him in a special way. Hence he believes that there is such a way that the Lord does remember in a special way as distinguished from a general way his loving kindness is over all his works it is he who maintains The creation which he called into being. It is he who regulates and guides the course of that creation. That is a general recognition. That he takes of all that he has called into being. But here there is something special. Which he calls... A favor, Lord, remember me with the favor which thou bearest unto thine own. Remember me with this. As if he had said. Whatever else may be denied me. Whatever else I may have to forego. Grant. That thou wilt remember me with this. And. If thou wilt remember me in this way. Whatever else is denied me. Is of small account. He sees this then as being above all else are more to be desired than all else. Something which has a place of its own yet a supreme place in his scale of value. The favor thou bearest to thine own. Now what type of favor is this? In other words, what is he praying for? What is the substance of his petition? Well, in general, he calls this a favor that is he discounts all merit on his own part he doesn't come and say no I deserve this I ought to have this others have it so why shouldn't I because he mentions that this is a favor which is extended to God's own. Now there are those who adopt that type of attitude, who, in a demanding way, would like to think that God is under obligation to them to do certain things for them. And the nerve of their argument is this, that if he has done it for others, then he ought to do it for them. Otherwise, they accuse God of partiality. reality. Well, he that cometh unto God must believe first that he is and this expression that he is implies that he used necessary and eternally which in turn which in turn implies that he is sovereign. He that cometh unto God must believe that God is sovereign. In other words, that he has a right to do what he wills with his own. That he is not and cannot be under any obligation to any creature in any circumstances whatsoever what the psalmist requests is a favor the Lord would show him a favor and the very terminology used of course discounts any merit or any worthiness any deservedness on his part at all as if he had said Lord I know that I don't deserve it I know that I am not worthy of it nevertheless grant me this favor remember me with this he comes In the spirit of a suppliant, Humbly beseeching The Lord to be favourable unto him Now those who would adopt a different attitude To whom we have already referred would brand this as being unworthy of one's humanity. There are those who maintain and who assert that to pray like this is to desert our humanity. That no man He should uh, bring himself to such a condition as this. Well, of course, that thinking is governed by certain presuppositions. And the question that comprehends all these presuppositions is this. What is man? Is he? though our thoughts of man necessarily regulate our thoughts of what he ought to do and what he ought not to do what is he or who is he if he is a creature who is able to to look after his own interests. If he is indeed a master of his fate and captain of his own, then indeed he should never be found in a position like this. He should never humble himself to this level if this is the type of deity he is if he is the measure of all things if he is an autonomous being who has his destiny in his own hands well in that case he ought to go about his daily business with his head high in the air For he will be indebted to none. He will seek a favor of none. But if it should so happen that man is not that type of creature at all, that he is a being who is dependent for all that he is and for all that he can have on God, If he lives, moves, and has his being in another, and added to this, if his life is one series of dishonor done to the being in whom he lives, moves, and has his being, In other words, if he is what the scriptures call a sinful creature, then no position is more appropriate. Nothing is more reasonable than that he he should be found as a suppliant beseeching the favor of the Lord. And especially when the Lord is pleased to remind him of this favor, For in a certain sense, under the gospel administration, all God's dealings with us are reminders of this great and glorious fact that there is such a favour with God that there is a mercy with him that he delights in doing good to the unworthy and the undeserved and that part of the proof of that fact lies in his exhortation to his creatures commanding them, inviting them, to partake of this favor. For this is the essence of the gospel of God's grace. It is a proclamation that God has favor, that he has good will to the undeserving and the unworthy and the very proclamation of that fact lays all who hear it under the obligation to seek to pray for to ask consistently and sincerely and supremely for this favor which the Lord has to bestow upon man this is then how we find the psalmist whatever other views others might have of God and of man the views which he cherished that which he believed concerning God and concerning the duty that God required of him led him with the blessing of the Lord himself to this position and condition we find him as it were alone shut out from the crowd meditating upon God and himself and that meditation leading him to this. Lord, remember me. With this favor. Favor. In his is life. But then. There was historic evidence to the fact that there is favor with God. It is not a mere assertion which has no evidence to back it up. As the psalmist understood it, it was a favor that was constantly being shown. A favor that was continuously bestowed it is the favor he says which the Lord bestows on his own remember me with the favor which thou showest unto thy Lord there was erasic proof that such a favor existed and that it was bestowed by God and the psalmist knew himself those on whom he would say God had bestowed this faith and he's speaking of course first of all in the context of what the Lord had done previously for his life and that context is narrowed down till he thinks of what the Lord has done previously for himself. There were certain things that couldn't be accounted for but by this very fact that there is favour with God this offered the most intelligent explanation of certain phenomena with which the psalmist was well (laughs) Acquainted, <laughs> supplied a reason for certain things of which he himself knew. And it is always the same. If we approach life. <clears throat> And take into consideration all the facts, even all the facts that come within our own acquaintance, within our own knowledge. There are certain things that cannot be accounted for. But on the ground that there is favor with God, and that He bestows this favor. That he makes it known. This is the only rational explanation there is. And the psalmist of course was able to assess these facts. And hence there is nothing incongruous to himself in what he is doing. He is quite conscious that he is doing something that is eminently reasonable when he is seeking the favour of the law. The favour which he bestows upon his own. But what kind of favour was this? It was favoured. Of what height was it? Well there are two or three things we may say about it. It is eternal favorite. And we are looking especially just now at its beginning. If we may use the language it is not something that the Lord does on the spur of the moment. It is something which he has purposed and planned before the foundation of the world. Before the earth was God was to show favor to the undeserving and the unworthy, and with this in view, He Himself planned and, in process of time, accomplished a way by which this favor could come out to the unworthy and the undeserved. It is eternal. It is not something that, as it were, sprang into being yesterday. It is what the Lord had before him from everlasting. And this, of course, is what we find in the New Testament, especially in the epistles of Paul. This is what he calls the grace of God. The divine favor. This is the grace of God. And you know how fond Paul is of using that word grace. He traces Everything worthwhile in the life of sinful man to grace. By grace are he saved. By grace are he kept. By grace are he delivered from the dangers and the pitfalls of life. Everything is by grace or of grace. Now this is the favor which the Lord shows unto his order it is his grace and so so deeply does this enter into the operation of God towards the sinful sons of men so deeply we say does it enter into that operation that God himself is called the God Of all grace. The God of all grace. He is the God of grace. He is in himself an inexhaustible fountain of grace, that is, of favor. It is eternal. And because it is favor, and because it is eternal, it is therefore unchangeable. It doesn't change with the changes of the creature. It is not something which one may have today and which may be withdrawn tomorrow. The favor that God bestows on his own. Is a favor that is unchanging and unchangeable. No wonder, that that a man who thought of himself has been utterly inadequate for the duties of the day, utterly. In insufficient of himself to meet the trials of time no wonder though we find him as a suppliant beseeching God to remember him with this favor the favor that is unchanging and unchangeable It would be no favour at all if we could think of it as being bestowed for any reason whatsoever in connection with the creature. That is any meritorious reason. It would be no favour. It would be no comfort if it were cherished. anyone can derive comfort from a gospel that says you may be saved today and lost tomorrow is something which is beyond our comprehension. It is not a gospel at all. And blessed be God, that is not the gospel of His grace. The gospel of God's favor is a proclamation concerning an unchanging favor. The favor that has its grounds, not in the creature, but in God himself. And as he changes not, so his favor changes not. Oh, then that the Lord would remember me with this favor. Why? Among other things, because the psalmist would have replied, I am so changeable myself. I am so changeable. My frames and feelings, my seed, everything that is mine is so changeable. Hot oh, today, perhaps cold tomorrow, and most of the time neither cold nor hot. it is then to to think of a favor that doesn't change of an attitude of God that cannot be changed that has its ground and reason in God himself surely there is something here to lift up one's head there is something here to encourage the most disconsent the most discouraged, the most perplexed there is, if we could only see it. There is here all that we need and all that we can decide. Our trouble is not in God's favor, not in its nature. But our trouble is in ourselves, it is our blindness, it is our ignorance, our unbelief that shuts out from us the glory of God's favor, the favor which he bestoweth upon his own. This favor, remember me, with the favor, it is unchangeable. Thirdly, it is sufficient for everything, and therefore for anything that may come in one's way, from time to eternity. This is God's own testimony. My grace is sufficient. And that is precisely what the psalmist means by saying, the favor thou bearest to thine own, it is sufficient. There can be no situation in which this favor is not sufficient. Sufficient to meet all exigencies. Sufficient to meet all contingencies. Sufficient to meet all possibilities. Remember me with this favor. For this is precisely what I need. A favor that is eternal. A favor that is unchanging. A favor that is sufficient. No wonder then. Though he would say. Whatever else I am denied. Whatever else in the providence of the Lord. I may be called upon to forego. Let this be mine. And all shall be well. All shall be well now. And all shall be well, to all it Remember me with the favour thou showest unto thine own. A word in conclusion. Thou showest. It is not something that is left in the realm of objective fact. Something of which one might say, well, I know that exists. At least uh, I don't put out any argument to disprove it. But what of it? Well, the psalmist says that the Lord shows this favor to his own. It not only exists for them but they are made to realize that it does exist and that it is for them. This as someone has said was the greatest discovery he ever made that the grace of God in Christ was For himself The Lord shows it He gives them to see The certainty of it He doesn't leave it in the region of speculation He convinces them That this is so And he does so By visiting them With his Salvation There is a communication between the Lord and the soul of his people. That is to them the most holy place. A communication which they cannot describe to others. A communication which can be understood only through experiencing it. He visits them with his salvation and when he does so how far off the point how utterly pointless is any argument that can be brought against we have said before granting there is a God granting that he is gracious it's all right to grant that. But what about the conviction, the certainty of it? Well, it is the Lord himself who can do that. And when he does that, when he visits with the salvation, then no one can raise a question. They are already answered. And they are answered by the presence of the Lord. The light of his countenance dispels all doubt as to whether there is such a light. This then is that for which he prays. And may the Lord be merciful to us. May he so direct and instruct us as that this shall be your own prayer also in sincerity and truth. Lord, remember me with the favor thou bearest unto thine own. Let us pray. O Lord, do thou bless us. Bless us with the consciousness of thy presence, which is the proof of thy being and the illustration of thy character may it please the blessed one so to deal with us as that we shall know that thou art and that thou art the rewarder of them that diligently seek if we knew this If we were persuaded of it in the inner man then it would of necessity govern our whole universe of thought. It would govern our life in all departments of activity. Lift upon us the light of thy countenance and take away all those sins for the Redeemer's sake. Amen.